Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Women in Confidence. Thank you very much for joining me. If you're a regular, thank you very much. Your support means an awful lot to me and to the show. And if you are new here, well, welcome. Um, and I hope you enjoy all the episodes I've got for you. Now, I track my listeners on a semi-regular basis. It's not quite an obsession, but I do like to see where people have downloaded the show from. And I just want to say hello to all my new listeners from Malawi. So that's great. Um, Taiwan. And I've also had some downloads this week from Ukraine. So keep safe if you're there. I also just want to do a quick shout out to my friend Kerry, who my dear friend Kerry, who was my bridesmaid, because I know she's probably my number one fan on this show. And she might be listening to this during her weekly drive between Canberra and Sydney. So hello, Kerry, and just drive safely. All right. So on to the show. So I'm joined this week, and I'm thrilled to be joined this week by Rachel Hicks, who's coming all the way from Ontario today. And I looked just before we came on air, and you're 16,000 kilometres away. So through the power of the internet, we can talk to each other. So Rachel, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Vanessa. I'm so excited. So Rachel has a teeth whitening studio called You Whitening. And well, she'll tell her own story, but she started this business with no business experience, uh, no dental assistant from her background, but no experience in running businesses. But you have now come, you've now transformed this and you've got your studio and you've got, I know you've got a really healthy wholesale business and turning over six figures and fingers crossed, you know, a million soon. So tell me, what you think having confidence means to you? So having confidence, what I'm finding and what I've learned is it's kind of a weird, different concept of confidence, but mine is standing in your no, so that you are able to say no and that you're confident with that, whether it's saying no to hanging out with friends on a Friday night or saying no to um, maybe a customer who is being maybe aggressive or just not jiving with you, but standing no and then not backtracking or just thinking about it all day long, like really standing in that no and being firm with it. That's a great answer. I've never heard that one before. No, I really like that. I think having the confidence to say no is probably what a lot of people would like to achieve and having those boundaries and being able to actually vocalize no. So there's probably a story there. Have you always been able to say no and it's, and st- and really hold your ground on that? Absolutely not. I would say, honestly, just within this last year, I've really started to navigate it. I would say yes too much all the time. So anywhere's from working with different businesses, saying yes to all the shifts, doing all the things. And what I've noticed, especially from a business side is, you know, you say, yes, I'll pick up that extra shift. Yes, I'll come in on my day off. Yes, I will do that drop off for you, even though, you know, it's my lunch hour. But what I've found is once I've been through a couple of different careers that once you leave, I mean, at the end of the day, they're not going to support you once you've left them. So really learning to stand in that no, because at the time, I mean, your sanity and your just flow of your day is more important than saying yes to some things that in the long run aren't going to benefit you. 
knowing that you weren't a no person, have you spent a lot of time reflecting on that? Because it sounds like you're aware when you were saying yes, and it was having an impact on you. So do you reflect a lot on sort of your previous careers and your previous pre-business life? I do a lot. And I don't know if it is just because entrepreneurship is such a journey, but I do think a lot about the different industries that I was in and the things that that culture would have you do or what your day would look like. And I think back to, oh my goodness, I would never ask my staff to do those things that I would do without even hesitating at that time. So it's been really wild to reflect back and think, oh my goodness, that's crazy that I would also honestly just say yes to anything. So you said you couple of industries in your career. Just talk us through your career and to the point where you then decided to set up you whitening. Yeah, so it started um, right in the right after post-secondary, I dropped out, I should say out of high school, I dropped out of post-secondary twice. So I'm a dropout. And then I found a dental assisting course, took it, completed it. And during that time, uh, prior Two, well, during that phase of dropping out of post-secondary, I worked in customer service at a local drugstore, but then also in the serving industry. So um, waiting tables, bartending, et cetera, uh, working weddings. And that industry, I mean, was great experience. You don't realize how great customer service experience is, regardless of what field you go into after. If you know how to work with customers, I mean, that's, you know, the best education, honestly, just learning that. And then from there, I jumped right into the dental world. So dental assisting and orthodontics and general dentistry for about four years, then jumped into dental sales. This was also a great learning curve. I mean, going from chairside dental assisting to pitching yourself, cold calling dental offices. That was a huge adjustment. And that was a huge confidence builder as well. I mean, I said, this is a great spot for pointing out how I would just say yes to everything. I mean, I'm trying to gain clients. I want free shipping. Okay. I want my products tomorrow okay, I'll stay up all night and answer your calls when it's out of office hours, or I'll respond to you on weekends. It was just, I didn't have the confidence at that time to say no and set those boundaries. Um, But on the flip side, learning dental sales, it was huge. Learning the difference between distributors and manufacturers and margins. And that was so great. And I truly believe if I didn't start in dental sales, I probably wouldn't have ended up with a business. So it was a great stepping stone. And then what happened was um, an esthetician asked me for some whitening gels. And at that time, I wasn't aware that teeth whitening could be done outside of a dental office. So did my research. And that's when I thought, okay, if it is this cosmetic service that seems to be getting very popular in the cosmetic world, then man, my dental skills with the products that I can source because of my connections, I mean, this would be a great business. So 
I started in my home in 2019, just a little studio space, and it was very warm market, family and friends. And then it started to pick up quite a bit in 2020. And then, of course, we know what happened in 2020, and it slowed down a little bit. Um, but then 2021 came around. And so actually, the big turning point here was what happened is once COVID hit, all of the sales reps for the company that I was working for got laid off. And that was the first time that I realized I didn't have control of my finances. And that was a huge eye opener for me. I'd never thought of that before. And once I realized that, I thought, okay, I really need to build something for myself and ramp up this business. So if somebody who actually knew anything about business saw my books, they would be like, you absolutely should not be expanding. <laughs> but I went for it. My husband and I, we remortgaged our house. I got a studio space and I have a commercial storefront in the area that we live. We live in a small city. And then that's when we started on a bigger scale. We had three rooms so we can see multiple people at once. So couples, uh, bridal parties, all that fun stuff. So it was going really, really well. And then a big thing that I've learned as well is your clients tell you what they want. Listen to your market. So we were definitely straight to consumer and we would see obviously clients just looking for teeth whitening sessions in chair. And we also had a retail line. And what happened was I was getting a ton of messages from either beauty professionals or dental professionals wanting to know how I built this business, where I was sourcing my products, tips, tricks, education. And that's when a light switch went on. And I thought, okay, if this is what the market wants, then I can totally fill this gap in the market because this is an unregulated industry, which there are a lot of other services that are unregulated in the cosmetic world. So this industry is also a newer industry as well. So there really needed to be a voice of safe and effectiveness on how to complete teeth whitening and also proper products. So that's what I did is I built out a wholesale business and also education for other teeth whitening technicians to provide the service safe and effectively. And now we have two businesses. So we have you whitening straight to the consumer. And then we have professional whitening products, which is B2B. So us to business. And it's been quite the journey. And I would say I've definitely gotten better at saying no. And how long has that been then since you set up the business to now? So I guess technically we opened our studio in our home in 2019, but yep. the commercial storefront was 2021. So really quick. Yeah, really, really quick. Got Right. You've given me so much to even start asking. Do you mind if we go back to um, college and high school and you said you dropped out twice do you look back on that and think, actually, whilst it might have been a difficult process at the time, it was probably the best thing for you? A hundred percent. I mean, so my first, I originally was going to university for my bachelor's of social work. 
can't see myself in that field at all. And the second one uh, was a college program from early childhood education. So, I mean, if I had gone down those paths, I don't know how I would have ever ended up in this area. And I would say I would definitely have had a different quality of life because I've learned and I can personally feel it in my bones that I do not like working for somebody else. (laughs) And so then you went off and well, you did waiting and hospitality and I've done that and I did it for many, many years and supported myself at university. And you're so right. And this is not about confidence so much, but that learning of what a customer wants and responding in that moment to how a customer is responding to you so they could be you know, grumpy they could be ecstatic they could I don't know whatever emotion they're feeling you as the server have to deal with it so maybe it is a confidence thing but you're so right that going through that experience is great and I imagine it really supports you now in your business and around customer service and really listening into what somebody wants I mean did you just take it back to confidence do you feel that that experience of doing waiting on tables was a confidence booster oh a hundred percent especially because I mean you like you said you get all those different emotions. So you don't know what's going to come at you and you can take that either way. And that's going to turn that experience for that customer. So the way you react is going to obviously make it a pleasant or not so pleasant environment for the rest of that seating that they are with you. So really having the confidence to realize that regardless of what that person's going through, you have to stay in your power and really navigate out those energies because it it can be a lot and I would say the hardest part of working in a restaurant is hostessing having to be at the front and you know saying no to big groups or people trying to push you around on no I want that table I don't want to be by the bar or I want a window seat etc etc I mean that's huge confidence because you have to say no right it's like you're the gatekeeper and that I mean looking back that was a huge confidence boost and taught me so much, especially because I was always known um, in high school and throughout my younger years as being very quiet and very shelled. So really, I think that definitely started building the catapult of coming out and building that confidence was that service industry. And then I also want to talk about the confidence to start a business because There's probably many people listening who have an idea inside them and they might want to get a business going. Did you just go for it or was there a lot of, oh, should I, shouldn't I, in a talk, having to, you know, ask lots of other people if it's a good idea? Did you go through that process? Yes. And I do believe that it was delayed because I I asked too many people. I was very... I was almost looking for validation since it wasn't really commonly done. So I was asking other people in the dental field. And um, as we've chatted about, there's a lot of misconceptions with uh, teeth whitening outside of the dental office. So I was told, no, you can't do that, et cetera, et cetera. So I, for, I would say at least 
maybe even up to six months, I just kept being like, oh, I can't do that. And then I'd look into it again. And then, oh, I can't do that. But it was all just hearsay that was telling me I couldn't do it. So once I actually decided to, you know, jump off the cliff and go for it and actually do my own research, then that was when things actually started to come together. But it was a process. There was lots of no's being told to me, but then also in my own head too. And those no's that were told to you, what were, what were the reasons? Do they, do you feel like they were valid or there was something like a fear or just a lack of knowledge? What were the reasons for the no's? I would say lots of lack of knowledge. I find, especially in industries where um, you, it's just almost like a culture thing where you just kind of follow what's being told, but you don't actually look into it yourself. So it was definitely lack of knowledge. And I think there was also a lot of, now that I look back on it, I don't want to say the word jealousy, but a lot of people who would be like, no, you can't do that. And really deep down, they were just reflecting that, you know, really they would like to do that, but they weren't going to. So if they can't, you can't either. So it was a lot of just miscommunication all around. I think that's relatively common, that sort of jealousy and that bringing out their feelings of uh, longing, perhaps, but reflecting it onto you. How did you deal with those people when they were, you could see a jealousy and let's call it jealousy, probably sort of loathing in themselves that they couldn't do it. How do you deal with those people? Because I imagine some of those people who were like that were maybe quite close to you, either a colleague or a friend, I don't know about family, but yeah, how do you deal with them? Exactly. It, I mean, at that time, I definitely would mull it over in my head and I would just let it really affect me emotionally. Like I would just think about it and think about it all day long. But then what I just started to do was I stopped discussing it. I don't know if that's the right thing to do, but I just felt like if I didn't overshare then I can't get that feedback that I didn't want to hear. And I mean, if I could go back in time, that the confidence that I have now, I would have been much more mature to be like, you know what, this can be done, or I don't want to chat with you about that topic. But at the time, I was just really good at reflecting and I just would not bring up those topics to those people. And then I want to talk about funding for your business. So you said you remortgaged your house. I mean, that, yeah, I mean, that that could make people feel a little bit lightheaded and <laughs> like, oh, and bring on some sort of anxiety. Financing for business for women, I know, is generally dif- more difficult to get. Did you go down the route of seeking external sources of income before you then thought, let's remortgage our house? Yeah, exactly. So I had actually, um, I had done my pitch deck and I had my business plan all set out. Um, I was going to pitch to this local small business company here that does do government funding. And um, the prep worker that helps you put everything together before you pitch the board actually had mentioned it because in a clause in one of your little packets, asks, okay, worst case scenario, if you can't pay back your loan, what collateral could you put up? And, you know, I had the asset of our home and that's actually, luckily this person had mentioned, okay, well, 
actually, why don't you just do something with that instead of taking financing because the rates are going to be higher if you do it through us. So that was actually just, I was super lucky that that person was compassionate enough to share info that I didn't even think of. So that was actually very helpful. You're the second guest that I've had on that talked about using the the asset, their assets, their house to fund their business. And I, I wonder if more people if they knew about it, it would probably go for it because the house, your house is, you know, there's a lot of money locked into a house right, that you're really sure. not using. Yeah. I mean, thank you for sharing that as well. So you then decided to set up the business and obviously you had COVID. How did you cope through COVID, like keep us the business going and your own confidence that you were doing the right thing? Yeah, it was interesting. So when I had signed the lease in 2021, um, unfortunately here, I mean, we had some pretty strict lockdowns. I know you did as well, but um, there was a long stint where you couldn't have any personal care services done where a mask is removed and guess what you need to remove to get your teeth whitened. So we had a very long time of not being able to see clients in person. So that's when we really pushed our retail end, but it just kind of was this weird time where that's when kind of the majority of these people were popping up asking for more of the business side. So it kind of all happened together. And I think back a little bit now, I mean, would I ever have launched into the B2B business if we didn't have that customer lull from the consumer side? It's hard to say. Um, I I mean, on one part was definitely not sleeping well because I had all these bills to pay because we now obviously had to pay for that lease, etc. But on the flip side, I did have that downtime to build out the education and, you know, really start sourcing products and looking into all of that. So it was kind of a catch 22. It was very hard, but it honestly opened up a different door as well. And how did you source the products and even know where to start? Because I mean, I'm just curious for myself, because like, how, where do you start in that vast world of products? Right? I would recommend um, for any one listening is whatever your niche is, do tons of research. Um, ask for samples. You're probably gonna have to pay for them, but do as much sampling as you possibly can. And if it is a service-based item that you are looking for, then I would really practice your techniques too. I would say personally, I was super fortunate. I had opened doors and connections when I didn't even realize it. So that whole time that I was in the dental sales world, I had met all of these manufacturers. So when it was time to source product, I already had a lot of different options, which was amazing. So it really just ended up reaching out to these connections I already had, chatting, and really moving from there. Of course, I did learn lots. There was lots of different formulas that we started with that, I mean, now I look back on was super silly, but it was one of those things. It was trial by error. We really wanted to make sure that we came up with the best process and it took time. And I feel bad for my very first few warm clients because they definitely didn't get the greatest, the greatest products. 
I asked you this when we first met, but do you now have staff or employees who not only run the studio, but also the wholesale business? Yeah, so we do have um, part-time dental assistants that help us out at the studio. We also are launching into pop-ups, which is super exciting at many uh, medi spas and dental clinics. So that keeps them busy. And then the wholesale side, we are definitely still under five, but we are slowly starting to look into some other options. Still a lot of our staff is pretty virtual, um, but within the year, it should be looking into that of expanding. And that's going to be a whole nother confidence area to continue to source through is when you bring on staff. I mean, your HR background, you know what it's (laughs) like. So I mean, that's another confidence journey that I'm sure will be interesting over the next year. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I've worked in HR for many years and often businesses and managers store up problems because they don't have the confidence to have the conversation. And it's not that, you know, they could be confident, you know, you could be confident in selling, you could be confident in whatever, engineering, presenting, but managing people, I don't know, there's something about it just strips people of their confidence. And yet it is just a human interaction. And at the end of the day, you know, someone like you, Rachel, who's done service in hospitality you've done you know dental assistant which is a lot about customer care and interacting with people you've done your sales and now you're in a business actually managing people should be really really straightforward because it's the same skills but I don't know what it is about managing and and I guess that's why I have a job because I help managers be better at what they do and give them the confidence to have some of those conversations you mentioned pop-ups and I imagine when you first sat down right you're business plan and your business model pop-ups might not have been in there like that's that's slightly different model how did you come up with the idea for one thing and also how did you know it was the right thing to do and you've got the confidence to back it this was really interesting this almost was I was thinking up of different ways for marketing actually I was like okay we are a complimentary service. I mean, obviously it's great teeth lightening on its own, but there are lots of other businesses that would actually benefit to having this on top of their business. And it can be expensive and obviously training, et cetera. So we thought, why don't we take our services to a business that this service would be great for their clientele? So that's, what we did, we reached out to local businesses in our geographic area that could really benefit from this service. And we've built some great connections and it's honestly been a different form of marketing. So I would recommend that to any business. If you are a complimentary service, then really source out, make those connections with other businesses in your area. I mean, it's not competition by any means. At the end of the day, you're helping each other. You're opening your client list to them and vice versa, which is great building those business connections. And what's next for you, Whitening? Yeah, so you Whitening, we are, as I mentioned, we're in a small town. And unfortunately, this is a great entrepreneur lesson. I chose a bad location for our studio. So our location, unfortunately, was not the best. So we have actually, we actually just handed in our keys for our first spot today. And we are doing 
pop-ups only for next few months. Um, if the perfect location pops up, then we might address it. But for now, we are doing the pop-up model when it comes to customer to customer base. Excellent. And well done for getting the keys or handing over the keys. It sounds like you're pretty flexible in your approach to your business. So not that, you know, you're not really, this is how it's got to be. I mean, is, is that just about how you are? Are you quite a sort of flexible, easygoing, just take, you know, that seek that opportunity when it arises? Or is your business, has it brought out something in you? Yeah, I mean, if you were to ask my husband, he would say absolutely not. She's like straight to the point, the long list schedule. Uh, but I love that you mentioned like, has your business brought out something in you? And it really has. I've really learned that with the different pivots that we've had to do and closing doors and opening new ones, the flexibility is something that does happen with entrepreneurship. And I'm just excited to see what other doors get opened. I mean, obviously it is difficult when some doors close, but I mean, it also is a confidence builder as you continue to just open and close all these doors. And what would you say to yourself, if you go back to yourself in high school, what would you say to yourself? What would be your piece of advice for yourself? It would be, I mean, very interesting. In high school, I was not a like a good student by any means. I mean, I definitely had poor grades and academics was not my forte. And I would go back and tell myself that this isn't it. There academics isn't the only thing in life. Um, you can excel with, you know, life in general, but definitely business without being a bookworm, you can do lots of things. So I would go back and tell myself to not feel so pressured to being, you know, better at the quote unquote school world. I wish I, I wish I knew obviously what I know now back then because I definitely was hard on myself and it was too bad because I can imagine there are lots of kids in high school that are struggling and one really interesting thing is actually when I was out of high school and was in those different post-secondary programs I was on the honor roll so it's like it's not that I wasn't intelligent by any means. It's just, I guess, none of those subjects intrigued me. So when you actually get into areas that you're interested in and you have some passion, it's so much easier. I say that to my son all the time. Like that pure academics, like the pure maths, the pure English, French, whatever, doesn't excite him. But there's so many other things that do. And it's like, just bide your time, get through school, and then you'll discover what it is that you really excel at. So I imagine, you know, small business, fairly new business, but, you know, lots and lots of opportunities that can be quite consuming. And I've spoken to lots of business owners where it's their world, you know, 24 hours a day. That's all they do. How do you step out of your business and find time for yourself? Yeah, I definitely know that I need to really set up the morning, need to get in some exercise, some quiet time first thing because the day 
as an entrepreneur, you never know what's going to happen. So if you hold off on that walk or that exercise for later in the day, it's probably not going to work. So I would say definitely keeping grounded in the morning is huge for me. And the other thing is I also have a dog who is very scheduled. So also thanks, Jax, because if it wasn't for you, I would probably sit at my desk all day long, but he's great at breaking up the day and really making sure that I do step away from the screen. So if you don't have a fur baby, I would say set some timers because you do need to make sure that you get out of this physical space, but also out of your head. If you're in your head all day long, nothing moves forward. And I think we spoke, when we spoke last time, we were talking about your walk and you said it's your moment to just either to think about nothing or to just plan and to just mull over stuff. I mean, when you go out for your walk, I mean, are you gone for what half an hour, an hour? Something like yeah, that? so typically we do about an hour in the morning, maybe an hour and a half, and then in the afternoon, probably like 40, 45 minutes. So it definitely is some great breaks. And I do find that depending on the day, my body's looking for different things. So sometimes it is quiet time. Sometimes it is a podcast. Sometimes it's anything from Disney music to like hardcore rap. It just all depends. But I am learning to listen to my body more and more. And that has definitely helped ease the mind altogether, which has been great. I was laughing when you said, you know, you listen to either hardcore rap or Disney. I'm so like that myself. I'll, I'll set off on my walk. And I'm like, yeah, that'll do. And it could be <laughs> anything. I love that because <laughs> I share that with you as well. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for being on the show. And thank you for sharing all your experience of you know, your, your route to setting up you whitening and some of your success techniques as well around your own personal care but also um, you mentioned about research and boundaries and saying no and all those sorts of things so thank you so much for being on the show yes thank you Vanessa 